Hello, everyone, and welcome to the TSMU Q&A series. I'm your host, Mark Hubbard uh, from Lenovo, and today I'm joined by an extremely special guest, uh, Walter Wong. Uh, for this Q&A series, we'll be pulling questions from our TSMU Discord. So if you have a question for Walter, head on over to discord.gg TSMU and ask your question in the Ask Stream Questions Here channel. Uh, Ali set it up perfectly to be as straightforward as possible. Once you've asked your question, join the Waiting Room Voice channel and wait to be brought on the show to talk with, uh, talk with Walter. Uh, while people are getting their questions in, though, Walter, why don't you go ahead and let us know a bit about yourself and what your role is as VP of Operations at TSM. Sounds good. Well, thanks, Mark, for the introduction. Um, well, a little bit about myself. I've been in esports for almost seven years now. Started in esports and gaming on the brand side um, at HTC, uh, doing marketing for the HTC Vive, VR, mobile phones. And then eventually found myself um, at TSM running operations. When you might ask, what is what do I do running operations? Well, it's kind of like a startup, so you kind of wear a lot of different hats. Um, for example, I was part of the off season for League of Legends, and I, you know, helped Parth, Andy, and Lena, uh, you know, sign our league roster, negotiate with players. For example, signing Sword Art, um, working on sales and partnerships deals like the recent TSMFTX deal, negotiating the contracts, doing the whole marketing campaigns with our partnerships team, um, and also, you know, managing finances in the finance department and the legal department, for example, and also our facilities. So the new TSM Performance Center in LA. Um, that was my project as well, building that out. Uh, so I do a little bit of everything, sort of a jack of all trades, but a, I, would, I would hardly say I'm a master of all any. So, um, <laughs> but um, just, like my, just like my league career, you know, play a little bit of everything, but not very good at any of them. But, <laughs> okay. so. don't, don't undersell yourself quite like that. Don't undersell <laughs> yourself quite like that. Well, no doubt, too. Plenty of career left in front of you. But, uh, Walter, with that, I think we actually already have a question ready to be teed up from the voice channel. And I think we're going to be joined by Panda Turtle uh, on voice, ready to fire away. So, Panda, welcome. Uh, excited to have you on again. Hello. Yeah, well, well, fire away for whatever you've got for Walter. Uh, so, I was curious, what would you say is the most important skill or trait for your current role? most important skill in my current role oh that's a good question that's a good question let's see let's think about this i think i think it's really hard for me to i would have to think about this a lot but the first thing that comes to mind i think would be just the word you know focus the skill of focus basically because when you run a company i think that there are just so many things you can do but you have so you have limited resources, right? From from time to your capital, to a lot of different you know uh, restraints and constraints, um, and so you have to really figure out what to focus on and what's the most important thing that will move the needle for your company the most. Is it going to is it be hiring one day? Is it um, understanding? It's understanding when to roll up your sleeves and when to not roll up your sleeves and let certain let certain things just kind of crash and burn, because you will not be able to get to everything. Um, running a company, running a startup, and you have to figure out what's the most important thing to do today. And um, I think, I think that that's, that's, that's really important in learning how to prioritize. Yeah. Interesting. Well, thank you. Thank you for your time. Yeah, anything, anything else, Panda, before you jump? Um, I don't think so. Not at the moment. Thank you, though. Gotcha. No problem. Panda, thanks for calling in. Cool. Perfect. So, 
Walter, we're actually going to keep it rolling because I really like this next text question uh, comes on in, uh, gives us what's a perfect background for you. So for people who don't know, uh, you're pretty young for your role, right? Uh, Yes. Huge accolades to you for being able to achieve what you do. So give us a little bit more about your background. You mentioned some time at Mm -hmm. uh, HTC. Dive a little bit. I'd love to hear you dive a little bit deeper into that and then how that experience translated into your role for, for, for now at TSM. Yeah, yeah. So why don't I talk a little bit about sort of my career and what I've done in esports. So first, I started off in 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 um, at HTC. So at the time, um, HTC was just getting into gaming, right? They just signed the partnership with Valve to create the HTC Vive, which is the VR product. And the whole idea was, well, we need to market to video game players, right? The video game demographic, because the early adopters for new technology, especially something like VR, which you think of it kind of like a console. Right, um, is going to be is going to be you know video game players, um, but at, at the company HTC, they own, it's a Taiwanese company. Most people came from mobile phones, and they had no idea about video games. And I was one of the few people at the company who did. And so they were like, "Well, we need someone to run marketing for video games." So Walter, why don't you go figure it out? And so that's that experience was super valuable because basically I was running a startup within a company. Basically, uh, I was given no direction. I was given very limited budget and I was just told to go figure it out. And so what I ended up doing is I, I, what I first did was, okay, if I want to market into the video game demographic, you know, at the time it was what, 2013, 2014. Um, and I first looked at all the big streamers. And at the time, I had no idea how to contact any of the big streamers on Twitch. So I literally had to go DM people. I literally tried to find emails. I guessed their emails. And so I got in contact with, at the time, I think Void Boy just retired. I'm a cutie pie just retired. And so I just started talking to all these streamers, Summit 1G, Lyric, all these guys. And, and then so I basically put together a whole, you know, did all my due diligence on, what, hey, how do I spend my marketing dollars that I have to market this this VR product. And then what ended up happening was, oh, well, I found out that the biggest streaming networks were actually actually owned by teams at the time, like TSM, Team Liquid, Cloud9, because at the time, esports wasn't as big. And so every single esports team player had to stream many, many hours a day uh, to earn a living. And so what ended up happening was I figured out that actually bang for your buck sponsoring esports teams gave you more value because not only do you get branding on on the and access to all the professional players and the professional broadcasts and the, and the esports tournaments but also all the players streamed as well on twitch and so that's sort of how i i started and and basically it was a super valuable experience because again it was a startup within a startup where i had to form my own team at first i did everything from negotiating contracts to redlining to negotiations to i literally wrote every single copy for every single tweet that we ever did on our twitters i directed all our youtube commercials for example um wrote the scripts um and then eventually hired a team and also learned how to navigate you know the politics of a company right um getting approvals doing reports um so that that was super valuable um experience and then the other experience that i would say was, was super valuable um in my for my current job is obviously working in the investment in the investment world right so i worked for a family office um doing investments as well so we looked at 
a lot of different companies, right? And also funds. And so I really got a good understanding of finance on how to do capital allocation, right? Because at every company, you only have a certain amount of resources, specifically capital, which is, you know, cash. How do you spend your cash, right? And so, you know, learning the principles around that um, were also, is also very super valuable in my, in my current job. So when, when you, when you got rolling, did you see yourself long-term ending up in some kind of space involving gaming, or is that very much a right time, right place scenario that turned into a perfect formula that led you to where you are? Was Did you see yourself in gaming long-term, or did it just work out that way and you've just made the most of it? Yeah, I think, I think I've always had a passion for games. I've always had a passion for games. I've played, played console, league, uh, CS, and all these games, and... and I really did seek it out. I really did seek out video games, especially my, my time at HTC. I was the one who guys like, hey, if you guys are doing VR, you have to market to video game players. You have to get into streaming. You have to get into the YouTube culture and creator economy. And so definitely I, I sought it out, but I did not think that it would lead me into obviously the position I am in now, but I definitely sought out video games and esports as an industry. That's for sure. Gotcha. So from from your experience then at HTC, right, it sounded like you wore a ton of hats while you were doing that, right? It obviously got to develop your skill set pretty well. Uh, what are the three things that you think were most valuable that carried into your role now as operations officer for TSM? Mm. I think I think number one is is, is is I had to learn how to do everything, right? So like it's basically like you had to learn how to do I learned every single function of, of a job, right? I learned how to do contract negotiation. I had to learn how to do finances with the budgets. I had to learn how to do social media and marketing. I had to do every single thing myself because there was no one else going to do it. And so that really helped me in my job now because it's very similar, right? Because I've done a lot of different, I wouldn't say master of everything, but I've done a little bit of everything. I am able to be able to better evaluate and put the pieces together um at, at tsm a little bit better right so like oh i know how sales and partnerships should play with content should play with social media and what clients would really want to see right and then from a reporting standpoint i know what clients would want to see um and so i, I guess that, that 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 was very helpful um and i would guess say the, the second thing is just is just management of people i think that at any company, your employees are your most valuable resource, right? Your most valuable asset. And learning how to hire and manage people and manage personalities and make them people work together as a team, that is super important. Because in the end, the higher you go up, let's say in a corporate corporate ladder, right, at a, at a company, right, unless you're technical, in the end, you're making decisions. And it's usually those decisions are basically around people, right? And... Um, I think that's 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 probably the most most important. Yeah. Sure. So with that, then, so Walter, what what does your day to day look like, right? Well, well tomorrow when you log on to eight a.m., nine a.m., whatever time it is for to start your work day, what does day to day look like for you? Hmm. Day to day, it is different every single day. That is for sure. Um. So let me go through like what what I what I did today, right? Today, I, I woke up, I had a call with FTX, that's our new sponsor, right, in the morning. And then, because they're in Hong Kong, so it had to be pretty early in the morning. Um, and then, I, after that, I went with Dan, Dan Din, to go look at new office space for the whole entire morning. 
And then um, after that, I went to go, let's see, I had a couple calls around hiring because we're, we're hiring a lot of people at TSM. So talking to recruiting agencies, talking to our HR, right? Um, then I had a couple of calls around legal contracts, um, or especially around our publishers. So like, for example, we work with a lot of, in a lot of leagues like Ubisoft, Riot Games, and we have to manage a lot of things with the commissioner and things like that. And so, um, had, had some, had some tasks with, uh, the commissioner and our TPA agreement, which is the agreement for the L that governs the LCS. And so um, every day is different. Some days I'll do a lot. Uh, I'll be a lot more client calls, for example, because um, I I I I, I want to make sure that all our clients are, are treated well and, and understand what their needs are. Uh, other days it's um, it's about uh, talking about returning to the work, right? A lot about everyone's working remotely. So I'm part of the group that says, hey, look, how what are we? What is our policy about return to work, and how are we going to do it? Um, which is obviously a very difficult for a lot of different companies right now. So I think um, day to day, every day is different, and it's just sort of prioritizing what what needs to be done. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. So it sounds like like you mentioned earlier, focus, organization are going to be two pretty important pieces for you to actually succeed in your role. Yeah. Absolutely. Cool. Well, Walter, let's go ahead and keep it rolling then. So. The, this this one is one that I, I think is very common, very important for anyone coming onto this TSMU channel, right? So, <clears throat> what advice are you going, or were you willing to give to anyone looking to get their foot in the door and start working in the esports industry today? It it obviously looks much different than it did when when like you had mentioned, <clears throat> orgs were the the hot spot for streaming, right? Uh, the 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 ecosystem of esports is much different today. Uh, the stability around it's much different than it was years ago. So, what what's the advice you give people? trying to break in, get their foot in the door in this space. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I'm going to sort of repeat, I, I don't know how many people were on the stream and, and saw or were part of the resume review I was part of, I think, a couple months ago. But I'm going to give sort of the same answer because I think it's really important and I think it's helpful. Um, but basically, nobody, every single esports team right now and every single esports company does not have everything figured out. Very, very, very far from it. Right. You can think of all of us as startups and all of us have things that we are weak at. Right. And so if you want to break into the industry, right, it's good to, you know, hey, like call up people and network LinkedIn, whatever. Try to try to get, you you know, try to meet people and network. But in the end, is that really going to get you a job? Not really, because let's say if someone asked me, to, you know, for a message, hey, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm looking for a job. Could you have spend some time to talk about your experience? I might, I might, I might, I might give you the time of day, right? Depending on my schedule and my mood of the day. But, um, but, but, am I going to really recommend you and give you a position at, 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 at let's say, at TSM because of of that meeting? Probably not. But what you can do is because every esports company is not good at everything that they do. You just call them up and say, hey, look, I see that you have a problem. Right. I see you have a problem and I can help how can help fix it for you. And I will do it for free, basically, you know, that, and, and I think that's that. What am I going to do? I'm going to let's say some some everybody came up to me because our TSM apparel hasn't been great. Right. Let's, for example, hasn't been great. But we just recently hired Eric, which, our VP of apparel, who's going to fix everything. Um, but let's say, let's say someone someone knew that TSM apparel wasn't going to be do really well. And they messaged me, hey, look. I, I I have, you know, years of experience in apparel, or maybe I just have a really big, strong interest in apparel. 
and I see that your apparel division isn't doing very well. Um, well, why don't I just help you with it and just give me a shot? And guess what? What am I going to say? I know that our apparel is not going to be doing very well, and I don't have any other resources to help me with it right now. So maybe I'll give you a shot, or maybe at least I'll give you an interview, right? And so I think that's 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 where it's that's 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 what I that's the advice I would give, right? It goes back to a quote that I often say uh, that I think is attributed to Charlie Munger, where is if you want to get something that you want, then deserve it, right? Do the extra work. Um, another example of in the past is um, I was hiring for um, social media for China, right? Because uh, we're expanding our TSM presence into China, and I needed an intern for Chinese social media, right? And I interviewed a, a different candidates, right? Until I found Summer, and Summer came in, right? And she came super prepared. She brought her iPad, and she already had a whole PowerPoint presentation that she walked me through. She said, "Look, this is the Chinese demographic. These are the type of things that they like to see on content. This is what this is our some example post and of what I would post on our Weibo channel. And these are some graphics I put together that I could do for TSM in China. And she had this whole presentation laid out. And you'd be surprised when I interview people, not Nobody is as prepared as you think that they would be, right? For 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 a job that they really want, and um, so do the extra work and put in that effort. It really goes a long way. For everyone listening too, if if you haven't caught the gist, uh, at an esports company, it sounds like from everyone at least I've had the opportunity to work with, your plates are very very full. And so if you're able to come that much more prepared to a conversation with someone like like you, Walter, and you can essentially answer a lot of your questions before you can get to them, it makes your hiring decision, I would imagine, that much easier. Is that a, is that a pretty accurate assessment? No, absolutely. Absolutely. When you come in super prepared, I mean, and, and, and you blow it out of the water, it shows, first of all, that you got to take initiative, that you put in a lot of effort and you work hard, and um, you have a passion for it, which is something that we're all looking for, right? And um, I'll be very honest, I, I interview a lot of candidates and sometimes even if they're even really experienced, they don't put that much effort in. And I'm telling you that effort, that, that effort goes a long way. Right. You can, you can always teach someone what they, what they don't know, but you can't necessarily uh, teach them how to have the drive, the ambition or the gumption to really chase after those goals and ambitions. Right. No, couldn't have put it better myself. And you can't work at a company like TSM whose goal is to be number one without having that, that secret ingredient. Exactly. Cool. Awesome. Well, Walter, we'll, we'll keep it on going. These are flowing super nicely. So uh, we've got one teed up from the community, uh, Amateur. So Amateur asks, how did you initially get into marketing at HTC? Did you, did you start with your degree? You go straight from your degree into HTC? Uh, what, what did that kind of pathway look like? So prior to even doing the, the uh, esports specific part or the gaming specific part, what, what brought you there? Internship. Just there internship. So that that's how I got my start. Um, just just intern at HTC, and um, that that turned into that turned into the whole thing. Yeah, after that. And, and for amateur, just so you know as well, another another 
plug for TSM is I get to be on the brand side and get to see a lot of the things that TSM produces that are valuable. TSM puts out internships. They put out phenomenal internships and internships where you get to work with brands, with members of the teams, with you're actually getting experience. Uh, and I think that's a big part of what TSMU is really trying to capture as well. But uh, keep your eyes posted because if, if an internship generally gets you your foot in the door, uh, TSM tries to give you as much experience. Phenomenal program, Walter, you guys have underneath you there at, at your company. Oh, thank you, Mark. Thank you, Mark. It's all thanks to Ali and also for, you know, partners like you supporting us, you know, and trying to give back to the community, right? That's the whole purpose of this program um, and our partnership as well to to give back and give people a chance to give them the opportunity to get their foot in the door. Perfect. Well, Walter, we're going we're gonna to make a quick pivot with this next one. So Tax Evasion. Tax Evasion, who's a repeat asker every time I'm a host and always comes... Uh, He's gonna put your feet, or they're gonna put your feet to the fire. So tax evasion is gonna shift us a little bit away from your career and a little bit more into the esports operations side of TSM. So uh, they they ask in in sports in sports there are teams like the Yankees, Lakers, Cowboys uh, with more storied histories and giant fan bases to match. Mm -hmm. TSM, along with a select few other esports orgs, seem to be on a very similar path. So what have been your key strategies for turning trophies into fans and eventually into uh, an immortal status in esports? Mm, that's a good question. That's a good question. Something that I think about all the time, right, is how do you build an audience? How do you maintain your audience? And how do you continue to grow that audience? Right. And I think um, there are a couple key pillars, I think. And it, and it starts with investing in the right games and at the right times. Right. So if you look at the history, let me start, take a step back a bit. Esports are different than sports, right? In the sense that the NBA, like, there are no entry points. You basically, the game is going to last forever. The game of basketball, the game of football, the game of baseball, right? And so even if you are a new expansion team into the NBA today, you will never have as much history as the Lakers, right? But with esports, it's... A little bit different because there's game churn. There's always new games. There's League of Legends, and there's PUBG, then there's Fortnite, then there's Apex, and there's now greener Free Fire and things like that. And so investing in the right games at the right times is one of the most important decisions that we make at this company. And and so what does that mean? Well, for example, Andy and Dan, they invested in League of Legends right when it was exploding. And guess what? Because we were the first mover, because we were we were winning in that in League of Legends very early on, we established a great fan base. And then credit to Lena, she she invested heavily into Fortnite when Fortnite was exploding, right? Remember Myth, Daquan, Hamlins, and things like that. We invested in the right game at the right time, and we saw a lot of success for it. Something that we completely missed a little bit was Green Free Fire. Like, for example, a team like Loud GG, they invested in Greener Free Fire early on, and now they have, what, 11 million followers on Instagram or something like that, just from one game, right? And so investing in the right game at the right time is super, super important. And then, obviously, number two is when you invest in the game, you have to win. You have to win, right? If you don't win, you're not going to have any fans. So that's in, in sports and in esports, it's very top-heavy. Right, you look at the Warriors before they before they won, and they were just like a lose. They were a perennial losing team. Their valuation was like in the hundreds of millions of dollars. I think Peter Gruber bought it for like I don't know two three hundred million two hundred two two three hundred million dollars with with Joe Lacob. And once they started winning, now they're worth what one two two billion dollars, right? And so winning matters a lot. 
And then number three is um, we have to create a connection with the fan, right? That's that's pillar number three, and that's done through pro marketing, basically through content. For example, like for example, when Max and Lena first shot TSM Legends, the first docu series for for um, for League of Legends, that really helped build a TSM fan base. So content is really big. You know, having a really good social presence is really big, um, and then you know. Obviously, having good apparel and good marketing initiatives is really big. Collaborations with big brands is very, very big. So I would say those are the those are the, some of the big key factors into making sure that you 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 grow an audience and you maintain the audience. Well, let's jump back a little bit in that question as well, because I think you mm -hmm. hit something uh, that. And please correct me if I misstate. Esports orgs are still very much trying to crack the code for understanding where they should be investing, and so. Uh, Right, you can you can chalk it up to luck, or you can talk about a repeat offense. Uh, it's not <laughs> luck, right? Uh, you guys have consistently invested in very, like, long-term, sustainable titles, uh, and you guys have been very particular about that. You're consistently producing winning teams. I, you hit on all of that. What are some of the things you look at when you're looking at titles, right? You for your role, you obviously have to stay very much on the cutting cutting edge for what's coming into the scene. How what are you evaluating these titles at? When you see a new title hit and you see esports, this is something they're interested in. Uh, what are you looking for? Is there a checklist that you know? Oh, well, they're looking long term. They're looking for growth. They're looking to be here for a while. They're not exploiting a fad. What what are you evaluating? What are your metrics? Yeah, yeah, that's a really really good question because that is something that we look at all the time. Um, I think there's there's two sides of it. There's the quantitative side and there's the qualitative side, right? Uh, on the quantitative side, it's the data. Right. It's like, OK, well, you know, how much is the publisher investing into this game? Right. Um, how are the numbers looking in terms of user growth? How much in, how many installs? What's the retention look like? Um, what's the playtime for these for these games? Right. And so we obviously look at a lot of the data around new games and see, you know, what, what do we think is going to hit? in the future for example when we when you look at fortnite you could see that from the numbers that it was just going to consistently keep going right and so that's why we entered it in because the data was 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 on the right track um the qualitative side is a little bit more nuanced though for example you have to evaluate the publisher right okay um there are a lot of good publishers out there but which publisher is going to create the best esports games right and the best esports titles uh, Riot is obviously one of them, right? They have consistently proven that they can throw events, they can grow audiences, that they can, you know, that they um, unlock economics for teams, right? For them to be more sustainable and, and build, a, build a ecosystem where teams and, and, and publishers can be partners in creating this great esports ecosystem. So I think you have to evaluate the publisher. Um, another one is of obviously evaluating the game. So, you know, part of my job is I, I play I played pretty much every single title out there. Right. And we have to evaluate. OK, well, do we think this is going to be do we think that people will play this game? OK, great. Check. People are going to play this game. But do we think people will watch the game? Right. Because it's very different from playing a game to watching a game. Um, you know, take Overwatch, for example. We didn't invest in Overwatch because when we played the game, oh, it's kind of fun. People will play this game. But when we talked about thought, thought about, well, people watch this game. Well, it's really hard to follow, right? There's six on six. There's abilities everywhere. Um, there are no moments of tension. Um, also, you know, if you play the game, it's really hard to have individual skill expression. Um, 
because it's all team fights, team fights, team fights. It's really no, never you can never have like individual skill expression that you can have in like say a game like Valorant or Apex or Rainbow Six or even League. Um, and so we we evaluate all these type of things um, to see if we want to invest in games in the future. Yeah, awesome answer, Walter. And giving us giving us a little bit of the secret formula too. I really really like that one. Uh, tax evasion, as always. Thanks for holding Walter's feet to the fire. Uh, real quick, Walter, take a quick breather and just give everyone a reminder uh, that if you want to drop questions for Walter, make sure you are a part of the Discord community. That's Discord.gg/tsmu, and there you'll find an Ask Stream Questions Here channel uh, where you can be sure to uh, ask Walter's questions either via text or jump on the show. Uh, uh, and ask some ask some personal questions for him. So be sure you're taking advantage of that. Make sure you're part of the Discord community for all the awesome events and staying in tune for everything that TSMU is doing. Uh, and with that, Walter, we'll actually go ahead and ask uh, one more text question. Uh, with that, we've got one from Ash. So Ash asks, not a lot of people understand what business operations is, what that entails. What what can you do to kind of shed some light on that? What What is business operations? What does it look like for you? Mm. Give it a little bit more of a definition. It's really hard because at every company operations will be very, very different, right? Um, I think the best way to encapsulate almost all of it is that operations is the role and function where you, you know, you take the strategy and you try to execute it, basically. So like, for example, Andy and the leadership team, right, will be like, okay, this is our strategy for TSM. Okay, now we need to execute operations. You need to make sure that every single division can work together to execute on that vision. And I know that's very, very broad because in the in the end, that's that 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 that's what operations is. Is it's super, super broad. It could be okay, Walter. You need to work on with the legal team to make sure the contracts are changed. Or um, Walter, you need to work with the esports team to make sure that the there's proper onboarding procedures for our players. Um, or Walter, you need to work on you need to make sure that sales and partnerships works well with the esports side of the house to make sure that every single time we invest in a game, we have the proper assets to present to different sponsors and different partners on what they can do to be a part of those um, part of those uh, esports investments that we've had in different various games and teams. So I think it's 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 really about. Um, execution uh, on a strategy and making sure that different departments work well together um, to execute a, a certain strategy or vision. Something that sounds like a much more typical uh, from what's what's been appropriate in the rest of the business industry that esports orgs are now maturing into having a very high need for. Is that pretty correct? Yeah, I would say so. I would say so. I think that, um, I mean, it's really hard because as a company grows, the company becomes more and more fractured, right? Departments get siloed and it's really hard to bring together everyone rowing in the same direction towards one goal. And I think that is a lot of part uh, on me, right? And and, and my and the operations department is to make sure that, hey, we're all, there's a North Star out there and we're all pointing in the, same, in the right direction. Fantastic analogy, fantastic analogy. Uh, Walter, we've got Panda Turtle back for another round. So Panda, uh, welcome back. Uh, fire away for Walter, round two. Um, I was listening and I, I when you were talking, I had like a different question popped into my brain. Um, when you were talking about like how it's kind of like operations role to make sure like everyone's going in like the same direction, is that like a thing that is more like you use rules to like accomplish that? Or is it more like 
you try and hire people with like the same goals as the company? Hmm. Yeah, I think that that's a good question. I think I think it's it's I think there's a couple of steps, right? If you really want to break it down, right? Number one is you have to have that North Star to have that strategy, right? So write it down or and have everyone agree that this is the this is the North Star. That's the first thing, right? Well, actually, first thing is to, to have a North Star. And then second of all is that you have to communicate it to everybody in the company, which is very difficult, right? Because some things are lost in translation. Some people might not understand it. Uh, sometimes you just don't have the time when you're doing all these operations, you know, tasks at the business that it's really hard to communicate to everyone and get everyone on the same page, right? And then you have to get everyone to buy in on that same vision, right? Because what if people don't, don't agree? What if people disagree? Right. And then you have to make sure that you have the right incentives in place. Right. Whether it's like the their performance goals, whether it's their compensation that tie into um, their, their the, the, the North Star, because if you have misaligned incentives, well, then people are going to veer left, veer right. Right. Uh, from 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 the goal. And then again, it's just, you know, then you have to like also constantly just look at the data like, OK, are, are we are we hitting our goals? Are we evaluating goals and, and are people focusing on the right tasks, right? Right projects that ladder up into our our vision and our strategy. And if not, then we have to course correct. Right. And so um, hopefully, hopefully that answers your question. Yeah, my original question was like, since you like considered yourself like a jack of all trades, was there a role that you felt like the most comfortable with? And was there like a role that you feel like you had to like work at it growing the most? Hmm, that's an interesting question. What what kind of task or role do I think I'm most comfortable with? Honestly, I'm really comfortable with project managing things because um, I've taken on so many projects before. I'm pretty comfortable in organization, getting people on the same page, uh, and project managing small projects to large projects with multiple stakeholders, with stakeholders, as third-party stakeholders, whatever. I'm pretty comfortable with that. Um, I think the hardest thing that I still need to continuously improve on is is how to be a leader and how to manage people because um, those are those are those are probably two skills that you can always be better at, right? And I need to be better at um, is how to be a leader and how to manage people and how to motivate people. Um, that that's that's super important. And thank you for your time. I hope you guys have a nice day. You as thank well, you. Panda. Thanks for coming in again. All right, Walter, next up, we've got a question from Dale M. So M, excuse me. So Dale asks, can you run us down what the scouting process of new players looks like and then how they're relocated and how you get them accustomed to the TSM environment? Yeah, that's a good question. That's a good question. Um, how the scouting of new players? Well, th th that's really up to our, our GMs. So our GMs really would be the one scouting new players. So people like Parth, people like Mike Scales. Um, and they basically, look, they, they might correct me if I'm wrong, but um, to my understanding is there's a couple of ways to do it, right? Obviously, you can look at solo queue ladder, right? You can look at what, what teams are really good online, right? And then you basically pick and try them out, right? Create scrims. Uh, another one is obviously because you, you you probably have a lot of expertise and domain knowledge in that particular game you're a GM of, 
um, you have a network of players that you've always been thinking are good and bad. If you already have a team, on the other hand, you can always ask your players, okay, who do you want to play with, right? Or who do you think is good in the league? Or who do you think is up and coming in solo queue that you thought was good? And you can have, you can host tryouts. Um, we also do uh, scouting grounds, right? Where we have, um, where we invite a bunch of different pros and amateurs and aspiring pros to come and uh, scrim with us, right? We, we have all these um, events to do that. Uh, for example, when we did our, actually, I can't say about that team yet. Um, um, for example, our Valorant team, our Valorant team, right? Mike Scales, he basically invited all the top Valorant players and teams, and he basically had them scrim each other, did in-houses for like a week or two weeks, right? He mixed and matched teams, and he see which, what, what players are have good synergy with each other. And that's how he came up with our first Valorant team with Sabrosa, Wardell, Drone, Cutler, and Hazed, right? That's how he came up with our team. Um, on the topic of relocating and getting accustomed to the TSM environment, um, for us, for the big for the big teams, we always want to relocate them to where we can shoot content with them, right? And where we can provide the best training facilities for them, um, because I think that's the, sort of the lifeblood of what we do is we build winning rosters and we try to shoot content and build fans. And so, for example, we moved our, obviously, League of Legends is in LA. Rainbow Six went to uh, Vegas. Apex went to Vegas um, because we wanted to first have them be close to where the leagues are. And second is because, um, uh, so we can have, shoot a lot of content. And then getting accustomed to the TSM environment. That is really about our player managers, I would say. Our team managers, that's really their responsibility on making sure that they get accustomed to their living environment, that they have their needs taken care of. That, you know, they obviously have like team building events. Like, for example, when we, our league team, we have like, they play ping pong all the time, right? And so that's, that's their thing. And so um, that, that's really about our team managers. That's on them to make sure that the, all the players get accustomed to their training environment. And uh, Dale M, for, for anyone else in the community who's listening, for more information on that as well, uh, we have had episodes with uh, TSM Smack, Austin Haggett, who talked a little bit about scouting, and uh, TSM Kays, uh, who's the analyst for the League of Legends team, and I think he got his start by doing scouting reports. So uh, plenty of information there if you want to check out the TSMU VODs on the YouTube or the TSMU uh, historical episodes on Spotify or whatever your favorite podcasting app is. So with that, Walter, we've got another one from Tax Evasion. Tax Evasion, again, coming in with some pretty hard-hitting ones, but still saying I'm more the esports operation side of things. So Tax Evasion says, just as winning energizes every part of an org, they're sure losing can sap the life out from across the org. How does losing affect the overall efficiency of how the organization runs, and how do you uh, try to reduce that effect across the organization? Yeah, losing sucks. <laughs> losing sucks. Um, I watch a lot of our games. I watch, try to watch all of our teams, and losing just sucks. I mean, it definitely affects it. Like, winning makes everything easier, right? The team is happier, staff is happier, partners are happier. Um, and also easier to do business when you're winning. Um, but I think that in the end, what's really great about esports is that we can diversify, right? Like, if you're the Lakers, you only have basketball. And so when they were going through, the Lakers were going through that period where they just sucked, 
right, I'm a Lakers fan, by the way. And we sucked. And we sucked for, for like a couple years after Kobe retired. Like, it was painful. It was painful. But in esports, you could diversify. You could have a Rainbow Six team. You can have an Apex team. You can have a Valorant team. You can have a League of Legends team. So, you know, even when our League of Legends team is not doing well, well, our Apex team might be winning. And if our Apex team is not winning, well, maybe our Rainbow Six team is winning. So I think that's 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 really how we've mitigated, you know, um, for our business is, is really to diversify and to build winning rosters in different games because that that that's that helps just diversify business and makes it so that we're winning somewhere at least that you can point to. Absolutely, and I, I, I love how often you're bringing up winning. Uh, I, I think for some of us who are on the outside looking in, right, uh, we look at decisions and things and we're like, is winning what you have at the front of your mind? But there's zero doubt with TSM, and I'm sure other orgs as well, but especially TSM, winning is the forefront, right? That is what you guys want. You want competitive success and competitive dominance. Absolutely, absolutely. We're, we're all, we've always been about competitive excellence. Um, I mean, you, you think it goes back to Andy, right? Andy has always wanted to do well at Worlds, although we haven't, you know, it's, it's been hard. It's been hard. <laughs> but I think um, I think it, it, you're not in sports if you're not competitive. And you're not in esports if you're not competitive, if you don't want to win. Then you shouldn't, you're in the wrong type of business because uh, winning should feel really good and losing should feel really bad. That, that's just the nature of our business. Yeah. Absolutely. A Andy, uh, if you want to win so bad, let's stop pulling out those blue cards, okay? Uh, <laughs> so we've got another one, Walter. Ash is coming back, uh, and this one's more focused on, on you and your role uh, with, with the operations side of TSM. So what challenges do you typically face in your role? Uh, did you ever run into problems like uh, inefficient communication due to lack of common language, as an example? Well, what, are, what are some of the things that you hit that are like some, sna some snags for your role? Oh yeah, I mean, I think communication is like a huge thing, right? Mm -hmm. Some people don't. Some people, I mean, I, I I think things get lost in translation, right? Sometimes you tell one person and then they tell another person, and then something something goes wrong. Um, another thing is, yeah, language barriers too, right? Like for example, I'm setting up a company in China for TSM. What we've already done, um, and negotiating with players, right? Like we, for example, I'm negotiating with Sword Art. Some of the terms we negotiated, right? You know, we're hard because he, him and his lawyers only spoke Chinese. Like his lawyers, sort of English is not bad, but his, his lawyers only spoke Chinese. Our lawyers only spoke English. I was trying to do translation, right? And that's not easy. Um, another, other challenges in the role, I think, are, look, when you have a lot of people, there are different personalities. And you have to manage those personalities. How do they work together? Sometimes they don't mesh well together. You might have a really talented person A and a really talented person B, but what if they don't work well together? And how do you how do you solve that issue? Right? I think I think uh, people problems those are those are definitely issues. Um, and then things that just randomly come up, right? Uh, as part of the company, hey, maybe the laws changed, or hey, maybe one of our players said something stupid on on social media right and so there are just constantly fires that you just have to put put out um that's just just comes with the comes with the job so when you talk about communication right i think uh language barriers is a pretty obvious way communication can break down uh especially at a company but internally right it's not as simple as going hey content team you have a slack channel communications fixed right what are some of the other hiccups you hit for communication what are some like the noise and interruptions that that an operations manager might have to iron out 
Yeah, I think I think uh, something from like coming from like a project management perspective. Sometimes if it's a large project, you have all these little groups and they're all communicating, but then they don't know what other teams are doing, right? Because they don't communicate with them. But in the end, as an operations manager or as as a project big project manager, you have to make sure the pieces all fit together, right? Let's take the FTX let's take the FTX deal for example. We had a lot of marketing things going on. For example, I'm working with our PR team here to get our New York Times exclusive and our PR and all our articles prepped here. But we, I'm working with Dunk on social and the social team is working together on, okay, um, all the social posts and the social campaign. And then we have Rocky doing all the content and shooting all the videos. Then we have what FTX's expectations are for for the um, and, and what they're supposed to do on announcement day. But sometimes none of these teams, you know, communicate well with each other, right? Even if you put them on a Slack group, right? Because either they're forgetful or, you know, they're just too busy. Um, and so sometimes you just have to make sure that all the pieces together fit well. Like, hey, these guys, remember you guys, This is, these are your action items. These, these are what your responsibilities are. And as an update, here's every, what everyone else is doing. So everyone is on the same page because it all plays together. And I think um, there could be a lot of miscommunication, especially when, when projects are that big, um, that can go on. So with that, uh, Ash has a, has a follow-up question as well. And, and I like this one because it, it's different at every company. But what are, the, what are some of the project management tools or methodologies you recommend and did you find have worked well with your role in operations? Uh, and then how have those tools helped you effectively navigate your role in organized tasks? Yeah. Yeah. I think for me, like I've, I've played around with a lot of different project management softwares, right? Um, like content team has Jira, like a content team right now has Jira. Um, I know people have used Clubhouse, people have used Pivot Tracker, people have used, uh, asana and all these type of things trello notion all these type of things i think the biggest you can use any of them just pick one just be consistent that's what i would say but number the most important th recommendation and tip i would give is that get really good at writing get really good at writing because in the end when you have so many stakeholders it's really hard to schedule a call and it's really also really inefficient to schedule a call with so many people to give status updates so in the end, you have to rely on your written skills and you have to learn how to write very, very effectively where you get across the point where it's succinct, where you don't have to read a huge long paragraph. And um, that's what I would say is basically those two points is make sure you get really good at learning how to write effectively, executive summaries, bullet points, whatever it is to get your point across the most efficient way possible and the most clear way possible. I'm. I am so unbelievably happy you said that because I, I, at any company, right, there is so much time lost to calls. And I think a lot of us walk away like, come on, that, that, that's email. This is an email call right here. Right. Uh, and not echo that enough from, from the other side of things. Make sure you can communicate effectively via writing. Uh, Walt, can't thank you enough for that one. Um, after that one, so for, for next up, we're going right back over to eSports Ops. So more on the, more on the, the, the competitive side of things and less specific to your role. So uh, tax evasion's back and tax evasion asks, major sports have had decades to experiment, perfect and standardize how every facet of the team is run. Esports is still in its infancy and went from being run from like a few kids barely out of high school to multi-million dollar valuations. Uh, as a result, we see constant changes in the strategies uh, teams use to market themselves and develop their players. 
how do you know when it's time to try something new or when to let something be? And when, when thinking up of something new, how do you create, tweak, and implement sweeping changes? And how has the difficulty of this process changed as the org gets bigger? So let's start with that first one. How do you know when it's time to try something new um, or just keep something as it is? Hmm. How do you know question. when something yeah. is, okay. That's a good question. I mean, in the end, it's like, there's the old adage of, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. By the same time is don't rest on your laurels. And if you don't jump your S curve, you know, then you're going to get out competed. Right. And so that's a good question. I think, um, I think, um, it really depends on, it really depends on a case by case basis on what works and what doesn't work. Right. I think that our company, pretty much everything is subject to change. I would say everything can be subject to change in the sense that, the business isn't figured out. The op processes aren't figured out. What what we do have is things that work. Okay, then we'll keep going and we can just constantly improve on it. I think it's a it's a mentality of where, hey, if something is working, we'll continue to do it, but constantly iterate and constantly improve it. It's kind of like the Toyota way of like a lean manufacturing, right? You constantly iterate, constantly try to improve on everything that you do to be more and more and more efficient. Um, that, 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 that's how I'd answer that question. I think eSports, I would also say that eSports as an industry, the business model just hasn't been figured out. If you look at sports, like the Yankees, the Lakers, the Cowboys, whatever, um, that, 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 that business model has been figured out, right? In the sense that, hey, look, it's mostly just a real estate play. If you, take a, think about it, if you think about it, most sports teams, they don't make that much money but they off the team itself, but they make a lot of money off the tickets, the concessions, the stadiums, the events. Um, things like that. That's where most sports teams make their money. So it's kind of like a real estate business. Um, and so that business model has mostly been figured out. But for esports, it, it hasn't. And so every single esports organization is literally trying to figure out and chart its own path on how it's going to do its business, how what what, what business model they're going to use. Hunter Thieves, for example, they're big into apparel. They're big into influencers, and they're trying to figure out how to monetize it that way. Um, some some esports teams like Team Liquid Cloud Nine, they're just going to be in every single esports, right? And try to do well and and gain sponsorships and 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 and, and do their business that way. At TSM, you know, we 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 think a little bit more, I guess, holistically. Um, we have Blitz, for example, that's our tech platform. And at TSM, you know, we also have influencers. We also have, we're also trying to get into apparel, but we also have that esports component. So. I think it's um, everything is subject to change because things just haven't been figured out. So I, I want to make sure everyone heard that correctly, right? Uh, the code hasn't been cracked. The esports code has not been cracked. And you talked a lot early on in this episode, uh, uh, giving people advice for how to get their foot in the door. And you specifically called out finding out uh, where there are holes, uh, where there are gaps, and where you can bring value to the company. Uh, and I want to make sure everyone knows how this goes full circle. The code has not been cracked, right? Walter does not have the answer for how to make esports perfect and lead TSM forward perfectly. There are plenty of opportunities for you to show value in this space and make your career off showing that value because this is not a, there is still so much growth to be had here. 
there's so much you can do uh, in this space. And I want to make sure everyone knows that. Uh, Walter, uh, to jump on into the next part of tax evasion's question. So you, you tackle it on when it's time to go something new, when it's time to let something be. Uh, but how, when, whenever it is time to take on something new or whenever it is you're creating a new process, how do you go about implementing that process? Uh, and what, what, what do you generally have to tweak or what do you try to get ahead of when implementing that process? Hmm. I guess it just, it's different for different things, right? If it's a process, you have to obviously evaluate, if you have to, you have to look at the data, right? You have to look at past experience, look at the past data and see, okay, well, what, what were the problems? What were the bottlenecks, right? And, 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 and usually for me, I just try to figure out what's the most simple solution to that bottleneck, right? And that's how we create that new process, right? Other times when it's a little bit more complicated, you know, you have to get other stake, like when there's multiple stakeholders, multiple departments, you have to get opinions from everybody else, right? And get their buy-in because yeah, you could you could give a give a solution to a process or a solution to a problem that, that, that happened in the past, but if people don't buy into the solution, things aren't gonna change. And so you have to make sure that you work with the most, the, all the different stakeholders, get get their opinions, get their feedback, look at the data, and come to a solution that hopefully that everyone can buy into. Um, when it's about starting spinning up something new, right? Let's say spinning up, our, for example, our apparel department at TSM, right? That's a, that's a bigger project. It's about hiring, really. It's about finding the right people. I mean, you're you're like I I I'm not a very stylish person. I'm I'm, I'm just not, and so so I we have to go find people with that expertise, with that experience, and try to hire the best of the best um, for that position. And so I think um, hiring is also super important when you want to start something new. Hiring the right people and giving them the authority and the autonomy and the trust to to build out new business units or new departments. So I, I'm going to, I'm going to tack one more onto that for tax evasion. Uh, you mentioned team, you mentioned hiring. Uh, how critical is that uh, as it's something you get to overlook at TSM and for anyone in, in, who might find themselves running uh, a startup company at any point, how critical is building the right team and finding the right people? It's, it's probably like probably the most, one of the most important things, probably, if not the most important thing, one of the definitely the top top three, because um, there's the whole old adage where it says, "Hire slow, fire fast," right? Because you do not want to hire the wrong people, really. Um, when, once you hire the wrong people, it just makes everything so much more difficult. Because and trust me, you will hire the wrong people sometime someday because you're not going to give a hundred percent hit rate. Far from it. Um, because what ends up happening is that you might hire somebody and if they're not good, right, they poison the well. People get upset, people, it creates friction, people don't work well together as a team and it snowballs out of control. And that's why you really want to make sure that you hire the right people that have the right skill set, but also really even more important is to hire a person that will fit well within your team culturally and work together with the other people that you have because if you don't that's just going to cause you so many problems so many headaches where you're fighting each other than trying to work together to create a business to, to create solutions and i think that's why the other the other half of the adage is fire fast once you find that people um 
are not good for your business, that are not good culture fit, let them go quickly. That's something that we definitely learned at TSM. And um, is that people who are, who people can poison the well. Perfect. Tax evasion, as always. Thanks for the hard-hitting questions and letting us dive so deep. I hope we covered it perfectly. Uh, Walter, we're rounding up on the hour. We've got one last one for you. We're going to break it into kind of a few pieces, though. So Parth, not that Parth, but Parth <laughs> asks, how do you see, and I'm, I'm going to let you split this into kind of two prongs and answer it as you will. How do you see the relationship uh, with NCAA athletes and TSM and esports changing now that NCAA athletes can make profit off of their name, image, and likeness? So I'll, I'll let you take that both. From from one, how does it affect esports and the industry? And then how does that affect TSM? Is TSM adding that to the plate? Or what, what are you able to say about that you see the future of the NCAA with, with esports and TSM? Hmm. I actually haven't thought about that question a lot. That's interesting. I didn't even know that NCAA is now allowing allowing uh, college athletes to to profit off their name, image, and likeness. I still think it's. I think it'll be interesting to see how it develops. I don't. I really don't have a good answer to this question. I will say though that NCAA, I don't think is going to embrace esports all that quickly. Um, maybe I'll maybe I'll be proven wrong. And so I don't know if, you know, the NCAA will suddenly have esports leagues and suddenly, you know, we'll, we'll start recruiting from, you know, these NCAA esports leagues for our professional teams and partnering with different colleges. I don't see that happening anytime soon, but I could be totally proven wrong because esports and video games changes so quickly. But at the same time, I will say that building a collegiate scene and building a path to pro in esports will happen whether it's done by the NCAA or not by another party right and that's going to be super interesting right um and i think that 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 aspiration and that sort of infrastructure is going to be super fundamental to to the growth of esports because in the end you constantly have to have new talent you constantly have to if you if you want to grow the esports industry as a whole you have to create opportunities for people to enter into the industry whether as a player whether as a caster whether as you know, a business operations person or a marketing manager, I think building out that infrastructure is going to be super interesting in the next five, 10 years. So I'm going to ask you as a, as a tack on to Parth's question then, um, what the talent funnel, right? I think that's what everyone really wants to get at, right? Especially with the NCAA, because uh, one, one area where esports has been severely lacking is the talent funnel, right? It, mm -hmm. it, what what are the what's the gating factor and is that gating factor something that needs to be removed or is it something we need to find a workaround for so what what right now is the number one thing that's standing in the way of a more efficient uh talent funnel system and talent development system i'll break that into two because i think there's okay. it's very different for for talent when you say competitive talent like players sure. right okay. and then there's another one for just like staff right and for for employees I think for, for players, I think that it depends on the game, right? I think it depends on the game. There are certain um, certain publishers and certain teams that are, are making more of a headway into building that infrastructure, right? Like, for example, us. We're trying to do TSM scouting grounds every single year, right, to bring in the best talent from around the world that may, might not have gotten a shot, but they can prove themselves at a scouting grounds, right, and could possibly make it to our amateur team or be signed directly to our main team. Who knows, right? Um, I think that that is is super important. I think that 
Um, I think there's also culturally a thing around talent, right? Um, especially in the West, where it's just like you, 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 it's just kind of still a little bit frowned upon. Like, hey, I want to be a professional gamer. I want to be a professional esports athlete. People will think you're crazy. Uh, parents probably don't support it. Uh, but I, I think in, in back in, in Asia, I think it's a little bit more supported. It's more of a more not 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 as much of a social stigma, right? Culturally, I think that 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 that's hindering it a little bit. But it's getting better. It's getting better. It's getting a lot better, especially because esports is becoming a, a much bigger phenomenon uh, around the world. Um, and I would say on the staff side, I think really it's. I think number one is that. Esports teams are still very quite young. So in the end, a lot of the times when esports teams and esports organizations are trying to hire is that they're not very mature businesses. So what they're trying to do is they're trying to hire people who can make impact day one, right? Which is probably not what a lot of people here want to hear, but they want to, you want to hire people who can make impact day one. You can't, you can't because you're, st you're, you're a growing startup that could fail at any day. You are trying to hire people who can, who, you know, who are not going to grow into the role. They can make an impact day one. So you're trying to hire people experienced from sports or from people in content who've already done uh, already great things. As esports organizations and as the business mature, you are start those those companies will will eventually need to you know open up more entry level positions, right? And 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 ha have their own system to bring in more talent and nurture it from the from the ground up rather than just hiring people who are already experienced if that makes any sense yeah absolutely absolutely well parth thank you for the for what is the final question tonight with that we are rounding out the hour uh so first everyone thank you so much for attending uh thank you for all of the hard-hitting questions Tax Evasion, Panda Turtle, Ash, everyone else uh, loved it. It's made, made the hour so easy to fly through. So thank you all for attending and listening. And for everyone beyond the TSMU community, make sure you're getting involved as well. Walter, thanks so much for taking time out of your busy schedule to join and uh, bring this resource uh, to everyone. Uh, no doubt some phenomenal information that you were able to provide tonight. Uh, for, for everyone else, uh, just as a reminder, there will be another one of these Q&A series episodes happening July 14th at 5 p.m. Pacific Standard Time with special guest Lauren Chen, who is the eSports Social Partnership Intern at Logitech G. So this is a fantastic opportunity to get to know what it's like to be an intern at one of these companies. And you get to know they do a lot more uh, than just get coffee. Uh, so be sure you are following the Twitch channel. Be sure you're following on Twitter and make sure you're subscribed to the YouTube channel so you know exactly uh, everything that's going on with TSMU and when the when the stream goes live. Don't forget, if you're not involved already, to join the Discord, uh, the TSMU Discord. There are some awesome community events. I think Walter said historically there had been a resume review, which is a phenomenal opportunity for you to get your career documents done. There are game nights for you to network and get to know other people in the space and the community. Uh, and then you obviously get uh, get a chance to partake in some of these Q&A questions as well, or Q&A series as well, uh, where you get to talk with the people actually making, giving, giving the legs to esports and making it work. Uh, so make sure you're involved in that Discord dot gg slash tsmu uh walter thank you again and with that everyone i hope you have a great night thanks everyone and also thank you to mark shout out to mark for hosting Appreciate that.